I love God so much because he loved me first. So that, that's a very cheesy statement. I love God so much because he loved me first. It sounds very Christianese. Every Christian says that. But today I, I stand here with a different understanding and a deeper meaning of that I really love God because he loved me first. So I'll be bringing the word today on, on the subject, always love. Uh, we've been doing the series on, on, on always, uh, honor, always bless, always forgive, always share Christ, always serve. But when I looked into this subject of love, I thought, this is a very overused subject. Everybody talks about it. Uh, you watch TV, the soapies talk about love, uh, you listen to, to this music that uh, Abos Piwe and their generation listen to, it's love. Uh, you, 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 you are at the traffic lights, uh, those who are asking for help, they even put love. So, felt like, ish, God, what, what, what is it that is, so, okay. Okay. Yeah, bon. What is it that is so important about this whole thing called love? Why do you have to really look deep into love? When people get married, we talk about love. When a guy proposes to a girl, they talk about love. When, when, when a family or when a couple gets a child, it's all about love. When people talk about how important another person is, they say, I love you. You are such a lovely person. You've got lovely eyes. Unfortunately, nobody has ever said that about my eyes. <laughs> You've got lovely eyes. You, no, you have a lovely voice. So, so everything is just lovely. You have a lovely building. Uh, you have a lovely pastor. So everything is just lovely. So then, how, how then do we take love serious when it's such a daily word that is used like hupu in, in a Zulu context? How do you really take it serious? Because I can tell you, if you want to give a Zulu person a treat, uh, you may go uh, rice and other things because uput is just a very basic general meal. It's a usual, it's expected that it will just be there. Even, even when kids make remarks, um, one day we were driving with my son and uh, another friend uh, uh, from, from, from school to, to, to home. And then I, I can't remember, uh, what is, oh, my wife made a deal with my son. Yes. My wife made a deal with my son that, okay, you are not going to attend an event that you are supposed to attend. Instead of attending that, you will stay at home and then I'm going to treat you into something nice. So now this young boy that we pick up from, from, from around home, who goes to the same school. So we pick him up. So he starts the conversation again. Says, uh, but, but, but you have promised me a good thing. But how about this guy? So when, when, he, when he goes back after school, he will go home and he will just eat putu and curry. So you see, even, even, even in general conversation, putu comes in. So that's how love has been in, in most cases. But we learn from, from, from last week that also when we talk about 
always serving, you can't serve without loving. You can't forgive without loving. You can't honor without loving. You can't bless without loving. Even worse, you can never be able to share Christ without loving and without understanding love. And, and, and our anchor scripture is First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I am just going to rule on Jacob. You can tell your neighbor, we are just ruling. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a God's own purchase, special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and, perfect, and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I, I love how God affirms us here. He says through Paul, through Peter rather, you are a chosen race. And each time I read the scripture, I always wonder, uh, in the context of South Africa, I wonder which race God was referring to here. <laughs> I wonder, you are a chosen race. Wait, you are not included here. He was talking about me. I'm kidding. <laughs> so, that was the first question. So, God was deliberate. He knew that there would be a point where people will, will think about their peculiarity based on race. So, the first part that we see here is that every person falls under one race, which is the human race. So, okay. So we are the chosen race as the human race. We are the chosen race as believers. We are the chosen race as people of the kingdom. So, in other words, God was actually addressing the first part that yes, your cultures and your pigmentations may be different, but you are one race. You are the human race. Yes, you are, some of you, uh, you are called black because your hair is black, even though you are brown. Some of you, uh, you are called white even though you look a little bit pinkish because we didn't have a description. And then others don't have color. They are called Indians, they are called uh, Chinese, they are called by, 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 by nations. I don't know why. But when it comes to God, he says we are a chosen race. So in other words, don't look into this in terms of our understanding or our political dogma of race. It is about what God has developed. So we are a unique creation of, of, of the Father. But the second part is that we are a royal priesthood. So in other words, there is something that is so royalty about us, which is also so divine. So we carry two mantles. We are priests. So in other words, we, we plead before God. We present pe- petitions before God. We have the right standing with God. We have right access to God. We have... We have, we have, we have we have more privilege into, into entering the Holy of Holies while we have that. On the other hand, we have royalty in us. We are, we are not just ordinary people. We are princes and princesses. We are, we are kings and queens. They, they, there is nothing shallow about us. We are very unique and very high up there in the standards of God. And then it says we are a holy nation. We are a distinct nation. We are different. So we can't live our lives being indifferent because God designed us to be different. That is why we must be people that offend the status quo. Amen. We must be people who are not scared to be awkward. 
We must be people who are not scared to be different, for people to be offended when they look into our lives without us uttering stuff that will offend them. I know I do both. (laughs) I know that I utter stuff that offends people, but my lifestyle, my character, my faith in Christ should be able to offend and provoke people to an extent where they want to inquire and see why is this person different. So that is, that is what God declared us to be. And then the shift or the twist for me starts when he says we are, own, we are God's own purchased people. So there is a price tag on us. Even though we are a chosen generation, we are a unique nation, we are holy, we are distinct, but there is a price tag on us. Somebody had to pay a price. There is value attached to us. So when, when we look at life, when we deal with issues, we must understand that we are not just people that were given for free. I am not free. I am free from the bondages of sin and, and all other things. But I am not, I, 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 I was not received free. I was not bought free. I was not made free. I was not delivered free. I was not restored free. I was not shaped free. Everything that God is doing in my life is not free. It is highly expensive. Amen. And then he continues to say, we are special people. In other words, if you live in the, in, 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 in the standards of this day and age where there are uh, ordinaries and VIPs and VVIPs and triple VIPs, so Tina, we are more than triple VIPs. We are special in all ways in all manner, in all uh, aspects of it. The fact that some of us, if not all of us, are able to communicate with a person that is unseen and we hear response and we get answers and we are able to do our lives relying on somebody that nobody has touched and seen, wow, we are very special. The fact that you are, you are sitting here and you are listening and trusting that what I'm going to speak comes from the heart of God, you are such a special person. It takes another level of speciality. The fact that you are not seeing God saying, I am here. And it's just me. Yes, I know that my stature resembles God. <laughs> I don't believe that God would, would be short and tiny. No, I, I, I believe I resemble... I resemble God very well. No, 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 no. It's a joke. Don't kill me. So, but, but that takes somebody who has a special trust, who has, who, has, who has a special commitment to say, I want to do this thing. It takes somebody who is saying, I am not just going to flow with the waves. I'm just going to go against the waves. I don't know whether that's surfing or that's counter surfing. So in John chapter 3 verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world. He, he was so in love with the world. And it's like, okay, well, he created the world. What, what do you expect? He created the world. He, he should love the world. He created the world. What's special about that? 
But as, as, as I was praying and really trying to, to go through this, I had two words that are, that are, that were highlighted in my heart. The first one is akapan, which is akape, which is a love that is driven by judgment and deliberate choice, where you assess, evaluate, and you, you make a deliberate choice. So in other words, God made a deliberate choice. He, he judged, he observed, he, he, he processed creation, he processed what was happening, and he made a sober judgment. He made a sober choice that I, I love these people. So in other words, he made an emotionless kind of a decision. There were no emotions attached. He was not saying, no, I love. He calculated the cost. He knew my loving this might cost me my only son. My loving this, because in, in my context, when you, when you say son, you say continuity. You say next generations. You say resemblance of your name. So he's saying, this is the only, there is no other, the only one. So I, I, I decide, to lay down the only, the best, not just the only, the best of the onlys. It's one, but it's the best. The perfect, the complete resemblance of me. The complete resemblance of my holiness and purity and strength and might and, and, and creativity. I am going to, to lay down. That's the choice I'm making. I am not sure whether the returns will be there. Whether the returns are there or not, I am putting it down. This reminded me of, of, of when God had promised Abraham that he would give him a son. And he said, generations that will come through your son will conquer the world. There will be a blessing. You will be a father of many nations. And when the promise was not coming through, he decided to, to go short left together with his wife, to find Hagar and try and, and help God. Because sometimes when we want to make God glorious, we, we, we put our efforts trying to help God. If you can ask your neighbor, they can tell you stories of how many times they've done stuff trying to help God. And I don't know why it always backfires. It's a, it's a good thing. You are helping God because you can say, okay, God, I don't want people to, to, to think you are failing here. And, 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 and really, I, I don't mind you not coming through, but the people that are watching, I will help you this one. <laughs> huh? Do you know, there are a lot of people who, are, who, who really love God, who really love God, who are, who are real Christians, but because of issues of life, they've fallen in the same pit of trying to help God. Because they think, how do I speak? I remember one guy who was sharing a story of how he fell as a minister of the word, ending up using witchcraft, trying to help God. Because he felt people were despising the might and the power of God because there were no miracles, there were no signs happening. So he had to go the other way, trying to help God. The miracles were not about him. He wanted to, so that there would be miracles, so he would just throw in some magic, what, what, and people would, and they say, like, yes, God, thank you. People see that you are great. So sometimes people do things trying to help God. 
Your family is saying to you, hey, we are tired of you. You are not working. You are a graduate. You are not working. And then you decide to bribe your way, helping God into a position. So these things happen. So Abraham had the same thing. But after that thing happened, God came through and said, look, this is not the son. I am giving you your flesh and blood. So Isaac came. So when he was celebrating, yes, finally, I have a breakthrough. My son has come. God says, look, I know you love me. I know you trust me. I want you to take your son, go to the mountain, and right now I want you to sacrifice your son, give him back to me as a burnt offering. The very same thing that you said is going to give me generations. You rejected Ishmael because you said he is not the one. And you said Isaac is the one. And now you are saying I must lay down. So when, when Abraham was going up with Isaac, there were no exciting emotions there. He made a choice that I love God. I am going to give God this love offering. He was not excited about it, but he was deliberate about it. So sometimes when you talk about agape life, we are not talking about an exciting love. We are talking about a deliberate love. I am deliberate. I am going to do it. I am going to stick through it, even though at times it does not feel exciting. Married people know this better. We make our marriages work sometimes when there is no excitement. We make it work. We love our wives. They love their husbands. And I, 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 I always say, I applaud wives. You are such a gifted, you are such gifted people. I wonder how you make it loving such people. We are very difficult and awkward. But we thank God for the agape in you. You can see that, okay, this is a deliberate choice of loving and serving me. There is nothing that I have done that activates this love. So when, when God talks about agape, he talks about that deliberate choice. To say, no matter what, I will do it. I may get disappointed, but I will do it anyway. And then the second one, it's what we call philia. The filial, Where it's more than just an attachment and a peculiar person affection. So it's like, I have made a decision, but also I am pumped about it. I am excited about it. I am going to enjoy it. I am going to celebrate it. I am going to throw a party around this decision. So when, when, when the Bible says God so loved the world, it brings, it brings both the affectionate, the compassion, the, the emotions, the, the joy that is affected, that is involved in there, the excitement and the choice and the hard decisions combined. So God so loved the world. He was excited and he was also aware that this, this gift might be an offense. And then, so the first part uh, is talking about the great degree, the great act of love. God went to the, to the level where he said, I am going to do beyond my imagination and your imagination. I am going to throw the best into a human form, into an incomplete thing, but I'm going to put a complete thing and make something there. And then he's saying, I am going to lay down my continuity because I know when my son is released, he will be like a seed. When he falls, when he dies, something great a greater harvest 
will rise and erupt. There's going to be a great influence and there's going to be a great shift in many things. So that the second part was, was the gift. The third part that we find here is that God was actually saying, I am bringing an invitation for people to enter into eternal life. Because I designed people to live eternally. But because of sin, people drifted from me. But I'm going to throw my best and make it the best invitation. I'm not just going to, to make a, a, a secluded or a privatized invitation. I'm going to make a public invitation, but it definitely has to be the great and the most um, uh, broad invitation. But also, it was calling us into a life of great simplicity. Because whoever believes... So in other words, it, it, it doesn't say whoever can afford. It doesn't say whoever is perfect. The qualification to enjoy the love of God was believing. So he, he brought something that was so simple that it offended and it, 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 it conflicted with those who thought it has to be very serious. And, and you must wear some garments around it. And, 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 and even when you talk about it, your face must change. Because we are talking about the love. <laughs> Even our tone must represent the love. Somebody say, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> God knew. He decided, no, let, let, let me just make a simple invitation. Simple one. Simple one. A simple one. Just come as you are. With all your faults. He's even making a call. Come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden. He's not saying come unto me all who are trying to put down your loads. He says come as weary as you are. Come as moored, as morose, as, as, as frustrated, as parachuted, as whatever. Come. 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 As you are. I will receive you. Amen. Yeah, it's the love of God. People are laughing. The love. And then, the greatest promise is eternal life. Saying, great deliverance. I'm also bringing great difference. Other people will have eternal condemnation, but if you just do the simple thing of believing, there will be a great difference. One simple act, great difference. Great possession, you will have. It doesn't say you will enjoy, it says you will have. So you will possess eternal life. You own it. It is your portion, it is part of your life. So this is good. It talks about God loving us. So we can, it talks about us being on the receiving end. But now the problem starts when we are supposed to be on the giving end. Ay, ay, so, does it mean we have to do everything that God has just done? So, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. He gave His best. He gave up His dream. Sure. He gave up His passion so that me and you may have that life. So, what, 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 what is this whole thing about? So, He has given everything. So then, he, does he expect me to do the same? And if I read Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, that's where I just stopped. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. 
we are going to have a nice time trying to understand this whole concept of the love of Christ. Because you, we cannot be able to love when we don't understand how much we've been loved. When, when God took Jesus to the cross, He was not just taking Jesus to the cross because He, He wanted to tick a box. No. He gave His Son because He, He was angry at sin. He was disappointed. He had tried several times to try and rescue humanity, but he was angry. And all the punishment and the anger of God fell upon Christ on the cross. One, one preacher said some years ago, God was, 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 was hungry to kill. Because he was highly offended. There was human being had, 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 yeah. I am trying to restore my English. It just decided to go out the window. People had committed treason. They rebelled against the very core existence of who God is. The reason, the problem was disobedience. The problem was violating the very own one single call that God made. He gave everything to us. Said you, might, you can have everything. You can do whatever you want. But just honor one thing. Obey my word. Do not touch this. It was not about restraint. It was about the principle of authority. Who carries authority? Who carries governance? You have all the right to do whatever, but don't touch this one. Not that it, it is... It is unique or it is different. The reason I am putting it in here is so that you may know that I am still in charge. I am still your source of life. I am still your father. Because the minute you touch this, you will have your own version of knowledge of good and evil. Rather, receive knowledge of good and evil through my words, through my communication with you. I don't want you to experience it through your own life and through your own journey. I don't want you to enter into a space where you'll know what is evil through your own experience. God was protecting us. He was saying there is evil, but I don't want to experience evil. I want you to know the goodness of the Father, the goodness of the Creator. I want you to know the abundance of the position I have put you in to be my image, to be my resemblance, to be my child. That was God's idea. And when men sinned, they, they, they trampled on the thing that God said, don't touch. If, 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 if these were people like Murunga from Limpopo, they would, they would say like this, uh, we, they touch the things that make the things not to be touchable. Second <laughs> Corinthians 5.14 For the love of Christ compels us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. So in other words, he's saying, it, the love of God con- constrains us, it, it actually forces us to understand this, because we were supposed to die. Everything about us says death. Everything about us says guilty. 
Everything about us says you don't qualify. Everything about us says you are incomplete. Everything around us and about us saying you are, you don't deserve it. You don't qualify. It is not your portion. You messed up. You cannot be trusted. Who has ever had that experience when you come into a place, everybody looks around. You cannot be trusted. How dare you think we will give you this? God is saying, even though I know that you cannot be trusted, I will trust you. Even though I know you, you, you can take what I've given you freely and generously and mess it around, but I will give it anyway. What a lesson. The one who are supposed to live, the one who did not deserve to die, had to die, so that those who really deserve death may live. The one who was not supposed to perish, the one who was not supposed to receive insults and, and, and go through the whole experience of hell, had to go through it so that those who deserve it may not experience it. So in other words, the exchange is that God gave the best package so that we may understand and start giving the best package. The whole issue here is that God is calling us into a space of turning around and saying, Lord, yes, we have, we have received and we continue receiving, but we are now ready to start giving. Giving our undiluted love. Giving complete love. Not, not, not utadol kukai. Complete. And, 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 and Solomon says it well. In the book of Lamentation says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases; His mercies never come to an end. So in other words, as we are to give our love and to start loving people, we must understand at the back of our mind that His love does not end. No matter how much, no matter where, no matter what has happened in your life, His love remains the same. So His love compels Him to, to continue giving. But I don't know what it does to us then. And I wonder what is, what, what is it that we need to do to keep the same relationship. And then in the Old Testament, God drew this when he was taking the Israelites out of Egypt because he knew that Egypt inflicted in them anger, pain, and disappointment. He knew that Egypt in them created a resistance mentality because they were slaves, they were oppressed, they were, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were dealt with unfairly, and there was anger. Even though God was taking them to a promised land, they knew that the, the land they are going to is beautiful, but their minds were still stuck in the past. One of the things that makes me, that made me say earlier that when I was dealing with this, my life was transformed a bit more because i was looking at the journey of my personal life how my own my own life unfolded and how things happened in my life and i realized that it is only christ and his love that could have done it some of you do not know this but i will tell you a story at the age of 14 I had a gun and I was ready to kill. 
At the age of five, I had dodged bullets. And I already knew what was happening around my environment. At the age of ten, I was abducted a few times and beaten vehemently. So anger and hate was, was planted in my system. I, nobody fed me that certain people are bad or what. My system automatically knew that this one, because they look this way, they are an enemy. I don't know. I don't know what God had in his mind. I never thought I would have a white person that I would call a brother. I hated them with passion. It was, it was a deep-seated hate. I, I thought everything that is not well around my life was because God allowed white people to be in my country and in my, in my surroundings. And I grew with that pain and with that anger. I remember when I was 10, we were doing exploration. I don't know what, what the hell was that. Uh, our, our teachers took us, put us in the bus. We went to Toti Beach. So we were collecting stuff. They called it exploration. I don't even know what that, what was it that we were collecting. So my Africans wasn't that good. And we were warned that people in, in Vinkelsprayed, they speak Africans. So this tall guy, he was not old, but because my Africans was not polished. So, because he was big, I wanted a, a word that would resemble big in greeting. And then I, I, I greeted him. He clapped me. That man clapped me. I fell. I think I only rose after 20 to 30 minutes. I fell flat. And, and let me tell you, I, I called him a grandpa. He was, he was pretty young guy. But let me tell you, that Im, implanted more anger and more hate. So the devil was just orchestrating that. So when, when I discovered that Christ loved me, loved all humankind, I discovered that actually even my so proud, protected, privileged victimhood is not sufficient compared to the love of Christ. Actually, my victimhood has actually given birth to more evil. Because at the age of 14, I was, already, I was ready to kill. I already had a gun. I was already street smart and street wise. And I knew who to kill. That was the product of evil. So when the love of Christ came, I remember when I got saved. When I shared this story, people laughed. I got saved, it was on the 6th of April, 1996, I got saved. And on the 9th of the same month, the guy that I had gotten a gun when I was 14 to sort out, was not around for all those years until that day. Days after I'd given my life to Christ, I cried. I still do not know how the men survived because I had all the right to go and do it. But I cried and said, God, you are not fair. Why did you introduce Christ and salvation and forgiveness before I see this man? Because I would have more reasons to ask for forgiveness. 
In other words, what, what, what I'm sharing is, I have experienced the love of Christ in my life when I felt it was justified for me to hate. When I felt I had all the reasons to be angry and hate and, and, and kill and do whatever. But the love of Christ came. And when the love of Christ came into my life, I started learning to love myself. Because it is easy to do Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5. Because even hypocrites claim to do it. it. says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. It seems easy because it just talks about you and God, my relationship and God. It doesn't include other people around. So I thought Christianity for me was just going to be this simple. I love the Lord with all my heart. All my heart is for you, Lord. Hey, Nina, you don't interfere there. It's me and God. My faith and my God. You can't speak into my life. It's just about me and God. I thought the same too. It's just the two of us. Me and you, God, looking each other in the eye. I thought so too. I didn't know. I didn't know that there was another expectation. And this expectation squashed me. It cringed me and it molded me to become something different. Matthew chapter 22. Here begins the problem. 37 to 40. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul and with all your might. said, yes, we know that. And we do it. At that time, they, would, they, were, they were not interested in, other, in each other's affairs. They, were not, they didn't care whether another one was sick or was hungry or what was happening. Yes, we are good. The, the, the song was nice. The sermon was lit. The ushers were, were, were nice. Then we can go and do life. Then Jesus throws the bombshell. Boom. This is the great and the first commandment. And the second one is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On the two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. So in other words, the whole gospel, the whole plan of the Father depends on these two laws. Whether we speak in tongues... Whether we speak in Chinese tongues, Zulu tongues, uh, angelic tongues, the whole thing depends on these two laws. The first one, you love God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. So, in other words, you love God with your, with your money, with your career, with, 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 your, with, your, with your lifestyle, with your body, with everything. It goes up to God. But the second one, you love your neighbor, you love this other person who doesn't look like you. You love this other person who seems to be getting more appreciation and applause than you do. You love this person who seems to be getting progress and all their things that they want to do. They just get to achieve their dreams while you are struggling with yours. You love them as you love yourself. But God, this is not fair. How do I love the very same person that I believe is a threat to me? How do I love the very same person that I feel justified to be scared of? How do I love the very same person that I feel justified not to even love because they are my boss, all bosses are evil? (laughs) 
How do I love this person that I'm, I'm supposed to love? Whereas they are my subordinates. All subordinates gossip about their superiors. How am I supposed to love this person when they are my supervisor? When they are my HOD them? So whatever excuses that we bring, God is just saying, the whole gospel, the whole law, Every prophetic thing, everything about your life, about eternity, about creation depends on these two laws. So the biggest assignment we have is, we need to start by the one which seems simpler, loving God with all our hearts. I know for some people they thought that was a difficult one. But if you look at the two, it's simpler. It excludes other people. eh? It's just me and God. Oh, how I love you. And we even cry, we love you, Jesus. And then he's saying, how, what does this mean? It means when I look at Wayne, I am not seeing a white tall guy who represents apartheid. <laughs> I, I am not seeing a white tall guy who represents oppression, who represents colonization. I am seeing the image of the living God. I am seeing what I want people to see in me. I am not seeing somebody who carries the resemblance of anger. Who carries the resemblance of of, of rejection. I am seeing someone who is the image of God, who deserves my respect, who deserves my trust, who deserves my benefit of the doubt, who deserves my affirmation. So that's the beginning of it. So how then do we do it when there is so much that is in our package, that is in our hearts, that we are not dealing with? So that's where the loving God with all your heart comes in. If He is the God of your heart, then you will not allow any filth or any evil thing to dwell in your heart. You bring to Him. I, my, my, I, I'm not here yet. I'm, I'm not there yet. I am not there yet. But let me tell you, each day, because I was saying to somebody before this morning, saying, I am worried that every time I come up here, this thing of race always features in my message. And I pray to God that, please, I don't want to talk about black and white, Lord, please. And, and, and he said, look, when you talk about loving people always, the biggest evil attack on our nation is the issue of race relations. And if you don't talk about it, it's up to you. So if, you, if, if I'm sounding like uh, what, what, what record, please forgive me. It's God. It's not me. So, so when I was praying and, and I felt God was actually saying, the problem with many people who, who struggle with racial relations, it's not that they really don't like other people. They are scared to bring to God their frustrations about the other groups. They are scared to bring to God their anger and their disappointments about other people. Don't bring it on me. Don't bring it on, on the other one. It, it, sometimes it's unfair that we bring these things that we're supposed to bring to God. Who created, who allowed the systems to happen in the first place? It is God. So when, when we are not happy with the injustices, before we can confront them in the natural, let's confront them in the spiritual. Bring them before God. Hmm? Like how we prayed for the, for the land issue. We prayed about it. <laughs> we kept on praying about it. And God is unfolding it in his own way. So 
bring these things before God. Amen. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that one in. And then Jesus continued to say, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Because even sinners love their own. So in other words, sometimes it is so easy to love people that love you. It is so easy to love people that affirm you and affirm those that are always around you. But God is actually calling us to say, we must go out of our comfort zone and start loving the unlovables. Start loving those that do not carry what we believe is worth to be called love. Who has, who, who has wronged you? Some of you, you are not struggling with the race issues, like some of us have been struggling. Maybe some of you are struggling with issues of, of, of growth, progress. You, you, you are struggling with issues of jealousy. Issues of people who, who seem to be more advanced than you. So, in your space, how do you bring that to life? God is calling us to, to start loving people and look into ourselves. I saw another picture where there was a, 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 street, a, a street beggar, a person who was begging on the street, who was sitting there with, with his thingy, and then instead of a, a sign, a, a board that was signed stuff, he had a mirror. So he, he hid his face. So instead of his face, there was a mirror. So if you look into him, you'll see yourself. So if you were the one in that situation, what would you do? If you were the one who is homeless, how would you respond? If you were the one who is jobless, how would you respond? If you were the one who has a child on drugs, how would you respond? If you are the one who was a victim of abuse, how would you respond? So in other words, when God says, love your neighbor, neighbor as you love yourself, before you look into the situation, put yourself in those shoes. Before you respond, get into that space, look in, into that situation and put yourself in those shoes. And, 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 and I, I believe that can heal us because that is how God has been healing me because some of the questions there are some things that do not make sense and uh, we used to chat now one of the things uh, that worries me a lot is about I, I am i am passionate about the whole land related issue i am passionate about it so forgive me i love it <laughs> i i believe it is godly to talk about it so at some point there was going to be it's time prayer in free state so and then pastor jacques was presenting how the whole thing is set up and then these guys there are 17 farms that are going to be out there as parking because there were about a million people coming in and then there's this guy who has uh was it 16,000 hectares 16,000 hectares farm who is giving his farm that people can come and gather there camp and what have you so while the presentation was continuing, I got stuck there. I took out my calculator. <laughs> I tried to divide how many homes, how many houses can be built there, how many factories can be built there. And while the whole thing was continuing, I was like, Jesus. So I wonder if this guy can just give a thousand of, of, of one thousand hectares. So that's, that's, that's the whole Morningside, Glen, Glen, Morningside, Bria area. Just give that away. So, but the next step was, 
look, it, look into this through his eyes. Where is he at? If you were the one, were you really going to do it? What would take you to do it? So, so that deals with the tone. So stra- it moves you straight from offense to compassion. Because you can easily be offended and start judging. So the minute you move to compassion, now you, you try to find a reasonable way. So what would be the solution in this? So the problem with, with, with us is that we leave all those things to the politicians who are ungodly, while we Christians, we laugh about them and pray about them. So we must get into those discussions as part of us loving our world. So I, I, I'm going to take a little It's love God, love people. That's, that's how you, you balance our journey. You love God, you love people. You love God, you love people. The unlovables. Really, loving Langanda Mini, it's, it's a miracle. Love God, love people. I love you, bro. I know you love me too. <laughs> and then I want to close with this one. John 3, John 13, rather, chapter 34, 25. Which, which I felt for me was the more compelling part where it says, when you love one another, when you love people, when you love your nation, when you love your neighborhood, when you love your schools, when you love your students, when you love your environment, when you love what God loves. It says, I, this is a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my true disciples, if you have loved one another. I felt the book of Romans where the Bible says, nature is groaning and crying for the awakening and the revealing of the sons of God. I felt like we are delaying the process. Because the evidence of us being disciples is not on how much we preach. It's not on, on, on how well we sing. It's not on how well... We, 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 we give. It's not on how well we dress up. It's not on how well we attend services. It is on how well we love each other. It's on how well we go along with each other. It's on how well we, we value and affirm each other and seek the goodness of the other one in the process. How well do we pursue each other? Because when you, when you enter a love contract or a love relationship, you will always be disappointed because you love the person. When, when a stranger insults you, it doesn't stick because, ah, I don't know them. But when a person you know insults you, it sticks because you must work out that. We learn to be patient. We, we learn to, to, to be better people. And we learn to transform our environment through that. Because we, we as Robert Humphrey said it, Uti, the impersonal hand of government can never replace the helping hand of a neighbor. I want to say it in my own words. The impersonal hand of government can never replace the hand of a believer. So God is expecting us to release our hand and start loving. Start loving. For those who have children, it's an SGP season. Governing bodies are being elected in schools. The very same schools that we cry that there is poor management, there is poor governance, things are not going well. Maybe some of you need to go up and stand and be in those SGPs and transform those things. For some of you in your workplaces, there are opportunities for somebody to represent workers 
And people who represent workers in your workplaces, they always go for strikes and toy-toy. They don't want to negotiate in good faith. They don't do things right. Maybe it's God is calling you into that space to bring godliness. Maybe in your community there is a cry for somebody who can bring in together neighbors and start doing something that will change the environment. Like how they are doing in Glenwood, where it's, it, they wake up at night, they deal with issues of crime in a loving way, and Wayne uh, would preach and, and evangelize and reach out to some of these guys. Maybe these are some of the things that God is calling us. Some of you are in business. Maybe you need to start looking for bringing closer those business people who are not doing so well, who are struggling in their businesses. Embrace them. Maybe you are a student. Maybe it's time for you to start embracing those students who claim they know it all, but who are really struggling, and start reaching out and loving. Because love is patient, it is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not arrogant, it is not rude, it doesn't insist in its, it does not insist in its own way, it is not selfish. But love is always objective. It always sees the best in people. It always believes in the best out of people. It always sees the future, and it always sees as God sees. I want us to stand because I have chowed all the time. If, if in everything that I said, and you missed all of it, just take one. That God loved us so that we may love the same way we were loved by Him. The same way. It may not be an easy process, but God wants us to start loving the way we may understand it in our own context. I have shared my story in my own context. My own context involves leadership. It involves people. It involves transformation. That is where I am loving people. And that is where I want to excel in loving people, through loving my nation, through offering my life in transforming my society. That's where... My love language for my nation is, I do not know what is it that is in your heart, but I believe in each one of us, we have been loved by God in so much ways. And you can identify what area can I excel in loving always, in being the instrument of love, in whatever sphere that God has placed you in. God did not place you where you are by mistake. You may have been delayed, by the hand of the enemy. But I want to tell you, even in that delay, God knew that whatever process you went through, it will produce a person who will love according to Christ in that space. I want us to pray. And I want us to, to commit ourselves to God and say, Lord, help us to love as you have loved us. And I just want us, in your own words, in your own way, just to open your mouth and just say, it, speak to God in, 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 in how you want to. And just call him to, to deal with the issues in your life that prevent you to love the way you are loved. Lord, we just want to come before you. And Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that, Father, you, you, you gave your very best, your very best, that, Father, our, our life may be transformed and be different. And right now, we, as we stand, Lord God, we just pray that you help us, Lord God, to, to start discovering and identify how you want us to, to unfold this love, how you want us to, to release this love. And Lord, we just want to let go of bitterness. We just want to let go of anger, 
just want to let go of disappointments. We just want to let go, Lord God, of, 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 of all the pain that has been attached with the experiences of the past in our journeys. Others have been disappointed in their families. Others have been disappointed in their workplaces. Others have been disappointed by people who, who spoke the word love on them. Others don't, they, they don't even believe in the word love. I pray, Father, that you restore the true authentic love in our hearts and in our lives. That, Father, whatever we touch, whatever we do, that we may do it, Lord God, knowing that you loved us so much that you gave the best. So that, Lord God, we may also be in that space where we give our best for the love of those that you are loving, for the love of those that do not even know your love, that do not even know about your kingdom, that, Father, our lives will really bring people into your love as perfect as it is through our imperfect lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Father.